This is Amber Williams, content curator and writer, and this is the Director's Notes podcast. Today we have Eva Orner on the show, director of Chasing Asylum. Eva's new documentary brings to light the monstrous and unforgivable ways the Australian government treats asylum seekers, hidden out of the general public sight on the offshore islands of Manus and Nauru. A woman of great strength and courage, driven to stand up for the rights of others, it was an absolute pleasure to sit down with Eva to discover the inspiration which spurred her to embark upon such a perilous project and the methods she used to craft these tragic stories into such an emotive feature. Okay, so I'm joined by Eva Orner, who is the director and producer of Chasing Asylum, which was brilliant. So welcome to Director's Notes. Thanks for having me. We always start with the same question, which is, what brought you to filmmaking and directing? Oh, God, that's a really good question. Oh, it's so long ago. I've been doing it for over 20 years. Um, I think I just grew up loving storytelling, loving real stories. I started making films at university and I never stopped. So, you know, I have this great memory when I was about 17, my last year of school, and I was just about to do my end of school exams and a friend of mine rode our bikes to the local art house cinema and saw this great coming-of-age Australian film called The Year My Voice Broke by John Dugan and I guess that was the film that made me just sort of completely fall in love with movies and think maybe one day I could do that. (laughs) You just have these moments in your life and I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, well that's great. We're all very happy that you have. (laughs) All very miserable. (laughs) Actually I did shed a few tears in the cinema. It's a pretty tough film. Yeah, Yeah. it is. The credits rolled up and normally everyone gets up and walks out and there's just this weight in the room. It's like... I was just saying that to somebody. After 20 years of making films, I mean I made like 15 films or something and um. And I've made some really tough films, but I think this is the only film where a good 90, 95% of audiences that I've seen sit through three minutes of the credits and they don't talk, they don't move, yeah. and you just hear this quiet sort of sniffling and a little bit of sobbing, <laughs> so and you true. see a lot of tissues. When we did the credits, we wanted that, it's sort of got this, it's actually the music from the children in detention part of the film, and it's sort of this quite innocent childlike music, and we just let it play, and I felt like people were gonna need a little minute just to compose themselves after what they've seen. It's it's a pretty, it's a bit of a horror show, the film. I've just come from a three month tour in Australia. The film's been on in cinemas for about four months there. And I've just done, I think, I think I just did this morning actually my 50 second Q&A. And I I think audiences really like having the chance to debrief after the film and talk about it. Yeah. It's that kind of film. What made you decide to make a film on this topic? I felt like nobody had done it. And I felt like because of the policy of secrecy in Australia, the public didn't know what was going on. There's been some good journalism on it, but because nobody's allowed into the camps with cameras, I felt like if people maybe saw what was going on, then they would change their minds. So that was, that was to me, the reason to make it. I was so outraged by what was happening, and I was really shocked by the amount of people who don't really know what's going on or understand it. And I thought, what if I could just put the story into 90 minutes, quite simply, and show it to you? Because then you've seen it, and you can't say you haven't seen it we needed to bear witness and I I think part of it is you know part of the reason I make films is you know my family story so my parents were born in 1937 in Poland Jewish so they were babies when the the second world war started and the holocaust and three of my four grandparents were killed in the holocaust you know my maternal grandmother was gassed in Treblinka when she was 27 and I guess growing up you know I had a really nice middle class childhood in Australia I had a democracy freedom education 
But I was very aware from a young age that bad things happen to good people and I think that's part of the sort of storytelling that I do. It just didn't sit right with me and I, I just somehow innately knew I would be able to tell this story. Halfway through the making of the film I realised that I was a moron and that there was a reason that nobody had made this film because it's a completely impossible film to make. It's about places you're not allowed to go to in a ruined manis, people you're not allowed to speak to, which is refugees and asylum seekers in Australia and in, on Manus and Nauru. And then halfway through the making of the film it became a criminal act to make the film. New legislation came out in Australia making it a criminal act with two years jail if you speak out about what's happening in the detention centres. So myself and my whistleblowers were suddenly in the line of fire where we could be put into jail because of the work that we'd done, just telling the truth. So, you know, I think retrospectively I can't believe we've actually managed to make the film and get it out in yeah. Australia and we haven't had any legal repercussions because the government are too chicken shit, to be honest, to go after people like me or doctors who are speaking about abuse that's happening on Manus and Nauru. But the fact that the legislation exists is there to scare people. And one of the things the film has done is emboldened other whistleblowers to come out and speak. So it feels like a bit of a movement starting. Yeah. I was going to ask if the government has said anything. No, I mean, we've been more and more provocative as time has gone on. I got here on Wednesday afternoon and on Wednesday night we projected images from the camps and the films onto Australia House, which is the uh, offices of the Australian High Commission in London. You know, it was covered by Vice and The Guardian. You know, so we're having a bit of fun now with it and I, the purpose of doing that was to invite the High Commissioner of Australia to come to one of the screenings, of course he didn't, but you know, it's kind of fun doing little stunts trying to provoke the government into having to speak. And the only time they've responded to the film is when we get big international press, so mm. when the New York Times and BBC News Hour covered the film, the Australian government responded, weekly, but they responded. And you know, the great news is the film's going to be seen really widely internationally over the next six months, I can't quite yet talk about it but it'll be seen by millions of people around the world and the government are not going to like that so I, I would expect something to happen at some point and I say bring it on what are you going to do put me in jail yeah and the answer might be yes <laughs> I haven't done anything wrong I'm just telling the truth yeah exactly. and you know I actually pay taxes in Australia because I lived there for the last two years and so it's my taxpayer dollar paying for this so I should be allowed to speak about it because quite frankly it's bullshit and it's got to stop. They are committing crimes against humanity. It's disgusting. Not me. Yeah. So yeah. you know, how it's, can they do that? Half the country and half the world feel that this is the right way to go, and I think Brexit is the example of that. Mm. You know, the world has changed and it's kind of shitty, and mm. it, I think it's really important for people to stand up and say this can't be happening. The planning of the documentary. How do you approach the planning? It's really hard on a film like this because you sort of don't know what you're going to be able to do and who you're going to meet. I mean, I kind of got back to Australia once I'd raised all the money and just started talking to people, meeting people, and really quickly a bunch of whistleblowers emerged. And then I sort of located stories in Indonesia and Cambodia and in the Middle East that I wanted to shoot. But it's weird because you sort of go to these countries and nothing's really set up and you have like a fixer on the ground and maybe a few list of contacts. It's a bit of a wing and prayer situation and then suddenly you know you meet all these incredible people and at some point you're like I think I've got a movie. Making documentaries is sort of this weird dance like you never know what's going to happen the story changes while you're making it um, with secret footage coming in all through the edit you know you're just constantly adapting and changing it's very very different to working in scripted. Yeah you kind of I mean you try and plan it but you just have to be super loose you know I just sort of hit the road and go away for three or four months and shoot in all these countries and you know, some days it works out and some days it doesn't. Some countries don't even end up in the film, but you know, you go looking for stories and characters and you hope you find what you need.
How did you raise the funds? You know, the Australian film industry is pretty heavily government subsidised, like I guess the UK used to be. I don't know how you said that it is so much. But, um, you know, I pretty much immediately realised I didn't want any government money in the film because that would be problematic for conflict. I've not done this before in Australia, but I actually raised all the money, which was, it was an expensive film to make. It took a long time in a lot of countries, you know, difficult shooting. But I raised all the money privately and it was a combination of equity investors, you know, just wealthy people who were interested in my work and the story. Yeah. A bunch of like, you know, sort of grants. They weren't actually grants, it was just donors who donated, like tax deductible donations. And then I did a crowdfund which was about 7% of the budget as well. So it was really unusual, but people were angry and they thought that maybe I'd make a good film and they, they donated. I was really shocked actually, it was really cool and it was really quick. I raised a budget in a couple of months. It was, it was cool. Wow, did yeah, you? Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised that, yeah. that there were enough people with money who gave a shit and who wanted to contribute. And they've all been really pleased with the outcome so far. So how long did it take to shoot? How much footage did you have? And how did you go about editing that? <laughs> Um, it's hard to say how long we shot for. I mean, I shot in Australia. We secret footage in Manus and Nauru. I shot in Afghanistan, Lebanon, Iran, Indonesia, Cambodia. It took about 18 months from the beginning to the end of the film, and yet it was a long process. I reckon we cut for about 10 months. You know, there's archive footage, there's secret footage, there's things that I shot. It's a complicated film to put together. And my editor, Annabelle Johnson, is a legend. Oh, I can't imagine having done it with anyone else. She really did a stunning job. And films like this really come together in the edit. You know, we had a great sort of camaraderie and a great... It was, it was good. It was tough. And there were moments when you just... You can't see the film through the footage. I have no idea how much footage there was. The great thing about digital is you just have, like, gigs. And I never, I never kind of want to know how many hours there are. But yeah. I'm guessing there's somewhere between 40 to 60. Yeah. Because in this situation, you, know, you don't have access to things. That's so really limited what you can shoot. How did you shoot it? it's got to be discreet so what equipment did you use how did you work around um, that it's sort of not really something I can talk about because I don't want to oh know, that's fair enough <laughs> you know by now everyone wants to know how how we got the footage you know I can sort of say like it's a combination of phones and pen cameras that I bought like on eBay or Amazon for like 70 bucks but they're like iPhone quality and that's really all I can say about that but you know I always like to sort of pivot on that point and say it's not about how we did it it's the fact that we're not allowed to do it you know, the fact that our immigration minister and prime minister were just at the UN two weeks ago, Obama had this big refugee summit, and they got up and said how fantastic our refugee policies are and urged other countries to do what we're doing, which is just sickening. And to me, that's the issue, you know. It's the fact that we're not allowed to say what's happening and not allowed to show it, and that that's a crime. That's what we should be talking about, not how we did it. It's really interesting to me that... Our government says things like, I mean, Minister Dutton, our immigration minister, said our offshore detention camps are not dissimilar to the camps in Jordan. Well, that's just bullshit. Zatari refugee camp is the biggest refugee camp in the world, I think. And um, in Jordan, there are films made there. There are news crews there all the time. Politicians go and visit. People are in and out all the time. No one's allowed into our camps. And if you speak out about it, it's a criminal act. The fact that he said that unchallenged at the UN is sickening to me. How can people get involved and help to campaign? That's a good question. I mean, I'm not based in the UK, so I don't actually have sort of readily available information about that. But the best thing you can do is go to chasingasylum.com.au, which is our website, which has a whole list of take action things you can do in Australia. And I guess you could sort of replicate that here, whether it be, you know, volunteer for refugee organisations, about volunteering, it's about writing to your local members, you know, 
Jesus, I don't know what to say in a post-Brexit world. I think you guys are really screwed. You've got a really shitty few years ahead of you. I hate to say it, but, you know, wow, how did that just go down? Oh, I know. I don't know. I, I think it's about educating people. The fact that so many people voted for Brexit without even realising what it actually meant, you know, is insane to me. So, I don't know. It's about education and spreading the word and, and changing the way people think who don't really understand the issues. What's next? Uh, good question. I'm just I'm already working on my next film, which I can't really talk about. No, <laughs> stop it. Yeah, uh, sort of taking on another government actually, but I can't. I don't really want to talk about it just yet. But yeah, yeah it's actually enough. it's really stupid because it's actually probably you know I've taken on the American government, which I see the dark side. I've done mm. the Australian government, and now I'm doing a more dangerous story. So you know, you may not. You may not see me again. <laughs> but I'm just obsessed with this story and I've been working on it for a while. So tomorrow I go to Poland with this film and then after that I'm going somewhere else to work on the new film for a couple of weeks and then I'm coming back to Barcelona to screen the film. And, and I think then I go back to Australia actually to screen the film in Parliament, which will be really fun. Yeah, so it's sort of this endless, you know, cycle at the minute. But, you know, it's great. You make a film, you want people to see it. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you've definitely got some balls. <laughs> yeah, take our or I'm just really dumb. I sometimes wonder if I'm just really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't think so. Thanks so much. I yeah, well, it. you're doing things that the rest of us should be doing. So I want to say thank you. Thank oh, you very much so for the much. interview. I really appreciate very it. Excited. Yeah, and just follow us on uh, social media and there'll be an announcement. You'll be able to see it here pretty quickly in a, in a big way, so I'm super yeah. excited. Get yeah, the Kleenex out. <laughs> yeah, yes. We should be sponsored by a hard liquor company. and. <laughs> stiff drink yeah I always say that to people after like I'm gonna go and have a drink <laughs> yeah thank you so much